Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, local health officials have issued another overdose spike alert, the second already this year, prompting some to question the effectiveness of the community's response to the drug problem. Also this morning, entrepreneurship is booming in America for Small Business Week. Tom Sullivan of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce explains how local companies can apply to be recognized as the best of the best. And happening around town with dozens of visual and performing artists in some 30 participating galleries, shops, and restaurants, downtown Findlay's Spring Art Walk, shaping up to be the best yet. We'll get a preview. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, May 4th, 2023. Let's just get this out of the way right now. May the 4th be with you. Okay? All right. May the 4th be with you. It is Star Wars Day. Yada, 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 yada. I, I don't mean to disparage the whole Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you thing, but I don't know. And I know I'm going to get flamed for this, but I don't understand all of the hype around the Star Wars franchise. I mean, I was... You know, I saw all of the movies, uh, the original trilogy. I had all of the toys when I was a kid, but I'm over it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't understand this 40-year obsession, almost 50-year obsession, 45-year obsession with the uh, Star Wars franchise. And I know that I'm going to get pushback from from this, but uh, to me, it's just overhyped. I anyway, so. Whatever is it? Did you know that this is now May the 4th, kind of the unofficial Star Wars holiday, but it is an official holiday in the state of California. A few years ago, they actually made it a an official state holiday, <laughs> Star Wars Day on May the 4th. Um, but did you know, and I thought this was uh, very interesting, a little trivial information about May the 4th, uh, the Star Wars Day holiday actually does not get its roots from a galaxy far far away it actually comes from across the pond in 1979 in great britain when margaret thatcher was named britain's first female prime minister to celebrate her victory her party the conservative party in great britain took out an ad in the london evening news saying may the fourth be with you maggie because, yeah, so that yeah, congratulations. It was a, it was a catchy. It was just supposed to be a catchy pun to honor Margaret Thatcher as being named the first female prime minister of Great Britain. But it has, but it caught on and got a, gained a life of its own, and now it is you know the May the Fourth that we all know and love. I did not know that. It's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see here. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Now, this has been very much in the news over the past several months. The battles going back and forth over what reading materials kids should have access to in school libraries. And in many places, there is a renewed effort to give greater scrutiny to those library materials. Uh, Most notably in Florida, where 
the Department of Education in that state uh, is now is now uh, there are new rules uh, regarding uh, prior approval of all reading materials that are offered to kids uh, in schools uh, under the auspices of making sure that the materials are age appropriate for the uh, for the kids in school libraries and classrooms and so on. Well, in Illinois, they are going the other direction. A new law prohibits public schools and libraries from removing books from their shelves. A prohibition against removing books with the threat of withholding state funding if they do. So the exact opposite of what Florida is doing. According to the American Library Association, most of the titles that have been challenged or removed were about African-American people, Native Americans, gay or trans people. In Illinois, this is according to a statement from Governor J.B. Pritzker, in Illinois, we don't hide from the truth. We embrace it and lead with it. The Illinois law is the first to challenge the removal of books at the uh, state legislative level. Uh, it goes on to say, which is mostly justified on the grounds that they are not age-appropriate, etc., etc., etc. I just thought was uh, kind of interesting. Nothing like adding a little fuel to the fire. Anyway. Um... Speaking of uh, schools and our kids, maybe we should be paying more attention to this. National test results for 8th graders in the U.S. show a significant decline in their knowledge of history and civics. Test results from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, also known as the Nation's Report Card, scores uh, on reading were even worse but uh, they're bad enough for, uh, I think it was like only 19% at uh, uh, proficient grades in, in history and civics. Something like that. 19%, I think, was the number that I saw. And the uh, scores uh, for reading were even worse. The uh, results causing wide concern about the impact of the pandemic, uh, school shutdowns and so on on student learning, Although the decline in scores actually started earlier than that. So the, uh, like so many things, the pandemic may not have caused this, but it certainly accelerated the trend. And uh, maybe we should be paying more attention to that. So, I don't know. The next time you hear about all of these other culture war, you know, the culture wars in the classroom, uh, let's not forget that the test scores are just tanking so maybe we are obsessing over the wrong things i'm just gonna throw that out there uh some of the other interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day here is the latest thing that we have to worry about with respect to technology uh and it's another ai story artificial intelligence this uh, technology is now allowing and i guess we uh, could have or should have seen this coming the technology is allowing scammers to clone your voice with just three seconds of audio. So if somebody can get a hold of just a few seconds of audio from your voice, then these incredibly sophisticated computers and algorithms and so on can clone your voice. And you don't have to think too hard to figure out all of the implications here. Uh, scammers use the generated voice, uh, the uh, AI-generated voice, to phone a close friend or relative and ask for money 
and make it sound like you are asking for money. And apparently this is uh, fairly common. Uh, in Great Britain, one in four people say they, they have been or know of someone who has been a victim of this scam. And one-third of those who have been victimized lost over a uh, lost over a thousand dollars some over five thousand dollars so here is how you beat those scammers here's the and it's a really simple way of tripping up the uh, scammers set a code word that only close friends and family know that you all use to ask for help so just the next uh, family gathering and I'd settle on a code word that if you are ever in trouble, if you ever need help, if you ever need cash in an emergency, this is the code word that you will use. Don't share it with anyone else. And then if somebody is scamming you and they don't know the code word, problem solved. Um, let's say another tip is to question the source. When the call or text is from a number that you don't recognize, uh, then just slow down and uh, make sure that uh, because scammers will will come up with all kinds of creative excuses as to why uh, somebody would be calling or texting from an unknown number. But if that happens, uh, just kind of use an extra level of caution. Well, anyway, just uh, an idea there. The latest that we have to worry about is another case of technology getting ahead of ourselves here. Um... Speaking of technology, do you know anyone? I mean, you, you certainly have seen this on social media, um, but do you know personally anyone who uses videos of their kids to gain social media attention and fame? Uh, they are called kidfluencers, a play on the influencers, uh, influencers uh, uh, trend. Kidfluencers may be open to a host of problems, including exploitation accusations. Uh, According to research uh, published in a uh, medical journal, a reason the MC Journal, uh, researchers analyzed influencer accounts of two Australian influencers. Key areas of concern include a lack of privacy, commodification of children, increased focus on appearance for girls and stealth marketing of toys and other products through these videos. And they say this is a growing problem. Like I said, we've all seen these accounts on social media where videos of people's kids have been used to gain internet fame and in some cases fortune. People are making money off of this, thus using their kids uh, as a commodity to make money. And uh, this is a growing problem, they say, these uh, kidfluencers. So far, France appears to be the only government entity that regulates child social media stars as child labor. Um, In the United States, we do have child labor laws specifically aimed at the entertainment industry, They passed them years ago after child stars like Shirley Temple and the Little Rascals uh, kids and so on were exploited by their parents who spent all their money and left them with nothing 
Um, and so they passed laws. It's called the Coogan Act. It dates back to like the 1930s. Uh, regulates child labor in the entertainment industry, but there are no laws in this country on the books regarding child social media influencers. Those laws don't apply to uh, social media fame. So kind of kind of interesting and uh, maybe something that needs to be addressed in this country. I thought that was kind of interesting. Never really thought about it, but uh, yeah, I can see where that is uh, a growing problem. Again, technology getting ahead of the ability to, sometimes you have to kind of slow down and say, wait a minute, is this all good? Do we need to take a closer look here? And how about this? Um, a story that will put a smile on your face. It is graduation season. And into the month of May now, it is graduation station. Uh, graduation station. Graduation season at Metropolitan State University in Denver, Colorado. They have a very unique group of siblings that are getting their degrees next week. A set of quadruplets will be taking part in commencement on May 12th. Luke, Abigail, Julia, and Rachel Molnar will all get their diplomas in mechanical engineering, cybersecurity, advanced manufacturing, and healthcare, respectively. Now, that's those are some proud parents right there. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Rachel is the only member of the quartet who plans to go to grad school abigail and julia already have jobs lined up waiting for them after graduation and luke says he plans to work at a summer camp and then we'll look for work in the fall but uh, kudos to the uh, molnar quads they're uh, <laughs> all graduating some pretty impressive degrees there you go some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your thursday morning started wfin news i'm matt Demcheck. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny today with a high in the low 60s, clear and cold tonight, a low around 40. The Finley Municipal Court's sixth annual Safe Surrender Day was a success. During the event, people with an outstanding arrest warrant were able to appear in court without the fear of going to jail. The court says 73 people attended the event and 94 warrants were cleared. Judge Alan Hackenberg says those people no longer have to look over their shoulder. It's quite the surprise when people... Uh obviously gets stopped for a minor traffic violation and the officer says, and oh, by the way, there's a warrant for your arrest for whatever it may be. He says many who attended the event had their jail time rescheduled so as to not miss work. Others had their driver's license issues resolved and others arranged payment plans to pay their court fines. Get more on the Finley Municipal Court Safe Surrender Day on our website. The new program, Hancock County Taps, is seeking musicians to perform at military funerals. Hancock County Taps will work to ensure that whenever possible, every military funeral in Hancock County includes a live rendition of Taps, which is a ceremonial bugle call that signals the end of service. The program is a collaboration between the Hancock Leadership Class and the Hancock County Veterans Service Office. Get more details with this story on our website. State troopers in Ohio say many people appear to be complying with the new distracted driving law that went into effect a month ago. Ohio State Highway Patrol troopers have pulled over 200 less drivers in April for distracted driving violations compared to March. We're always looking for that violation of a distracted driving because it does, regardless of the age, put that put them, puts that person at risk as well as the motor public around them on the highways at risk or the roadways at risk. Right now, drivers do get a six-month grace period and just get a warning, but after that, fines will be given. ONN's Amy Steigerwald reporting. 
The Hancock County Farmer's Market opens for the season today. Farmer's Market is held in the parking lot of Marathon Center for the Performing Arts at 200 West Main Cross in Findlay every Thursday afternoon from May through the end of October. Get more on the Farmer's Market, including a list of participating businesses with this story on our website. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Our cover story this morning, local health officials have issued another overdose spike alert. That is the second time already this year that such a designation has been put out there. And we're joined this morning by uh, Gary Bright, Brittany Nye from Hancock Public Health. And thank you both for uh, dropping by this morning. First of all, Brittany, I want to actually uh, start with you. Uh, is this an official designation, this overdose spike alert? Is there a definition or a threshold uh, that uh, leads you to make this designation? Yeah, so we have um, three overdoses within a 24-hour time period would automatically generate the spike alert. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also manually um, enter a spike alert, and that's what we did this time because we were seeing a lot of overdoses over you know a short period of time. So what are the, the numbers specifically? I mean, what, are, uh, what have we had? What are we seeing here? So in about 10 days, we had 12 overdoses. Um, 11 of them were non-fatal and one being fatal. Mm. Uh, and like you said, it's like three in 10 days. I know this is an, an ongoing issue. Is that normally what you see? I mean, you know, I guess I'm trying to get an idea of just how big of a spike this is. Right. Um, we can go weeks without getting reports from law enforcement mm. without um, an overdose report. So this is very odd. Um, we kept getting them. And every single time I got a report, it was just very upsetting. Yeah. So is there any uh, speculation or uh, any insight as to why uh, we're getting, again, second time in just a little over a month? Uh, as far as we're aware, there's no real trends that we can see right now. Um, most of them needed Narcan to be revived. Uh, 11 out of them did. Uh, so, I mean, it's opioid related. I think it just goes back to right. how dangerous our drug supply is. Now, this is, and, and certainly to put this in perspective, this is nothing that is unique to our community necessarily. I mean, right. everywhere in the right. country, they're uh, you know struggling with this uh, issue. But it does, does it sometimes see seem like we're, there's that old saying, two steps forward, three steps back, but without the two steps forward? Yeah, I, th- I think people can make that assumption when these alerts come out the the reason we put them out is just basically for awareness you know to let people know that um you know the drug supply is dangerous you know encouraging people to carry naloxone um encouraging people to refer folks they know who may be in need to harm reduction services to you know we have the quick response team in family resource center so that for example these 12 was it right overdoses well 11 non-fatals as soon as we get those um, our quick response team at family resource center and our harm reduction staff makes a physical outreach attempt you know actually go out to the location to try to talk with the folks to get at what you just asked you know what is maybe going on you know Mm -hmm. what what can we learn 
to prevent these. And and I know so. from our conversations in the past, this is one of mm-hmm. the things that I wanted to, to, to bring up in, in all of this and, and learn more, a little bit more about because I've been very much uh, uh, promoting Project Dawn and getting the, the Narcan mm-hmm. kits into uh, people's hands with the idea that this can save a life and then hopefully right. those individuals will get into treatment and be able to uh you know change change mm-hmm. their lives uh, around but is there follow up to make sure i mean how often does that actually happen and those individuals actually get into treatment yeah well you know like i said when we go out face to face that's that the initial purpose is to make that connection you know just to let the person person know hey somebody cares about you we'd really like you to stick around and what are you ready for? You know, here's a menu of options. We've got our harm reduction services. We have a program, a syringe service program that works directly with people who are actively using, who are not ready for treatment yet. But rather than just leave them there, you know, we can say, well, come into this program and we can at least give you healthier choices. You know, you can still make decisions about your health care instead of you know, sharing syringes, reusing syringes, being at risk of infectious diseases, including Hep C, HIV, um, expensive effect infections that land people in the hospital. We can give you clean supplies. We can test you to see if you have any of these. You know, Hep C, HIV mm-hmm. connects you with treatment. Um, we have a nurse there who can do you know health inspections and refer them to healthcare services. We have two people who have lived experience with addiction. They're called peer support specialists who work with our folks and they a lot of times will make a different level of connection yeah. with those folks than me or Brittany will because yeah. we, we don't have lived experience in addiction. And so mm-hmm. what happens is they build a relationship, you know, so they're, they are still actively using yes, but again, Someone is laying eyes on them. Somebody's making a connection with them. And when they're ready, Jamie and, and Sharona, our peer specialists, that's who they'll usually ask yeah. because they trust them. And they'll say, hey, I'm ready for to go into detox or into treatment. So and, there is uh, that outreach, and uh, it sounds like pretty oh, comprehensive yeah. outreach uh, at that. But at the same time, and again, this is one of the things I remember our conversation many years ago when mm-hmm. uh, Narcan, Naloxone, uh, first yeah. started uh, to uh, appear on the scene and trying mm-hmm. to get that out there. And the question was, and this is still a tough one for a lot of folks, right. uh, does that remove one of the <clears throat> deterrents to... Uh, uh, to addiction and to using in in yeah. the first place, and this is tough with the idea of. And the simple answer to that is no, it yeah. doesn't, because addiction is a disease, mm-hmm. um, similar to depression, similar to honestly any f- other physical health issue. Just a different now, manifestation. Does giving someone insulin who has diabetes remove? the incentive for them to improve their diet and things like that. Well, again, people have a tough time understanding, you know, addiction really is a disease. It's not a bad behavior. Yeah. So the definition or one of the criteria for diagnosing somebody with addiction is continued use despite negative consequences. Mm -hmm. That means there's been a change, you know, in that person's brain chemistry. It's, you know, use, drug use has converted into addiction. Yeah. So now, even the threat of dying from using um, is not does not change your yeah. brain chemistry, and just, just you yeah. don't just decide 
well, I don't want to have that happen again, so I'm going to just stop using. Yeah. Um, you know. And and the reason I bring that uh, all of that up is that there has been right. uh, there have been some who who question the mm-hmm. effectiveness of the community's response to the drug crisis. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was uh, Councilwoman Holly Frischi on social media posted uh, just right. earlier this week in response to this uh, second overdose spike alert that yeah. it seems as though the community's response has been reactive instead of proactive. Is that a fair criticism? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, because, again, if you don't understand addiction, looking at it from the outside, of course, it looks like a bad behavior Mm -hmm. because using drugs, yes, is illegal. Having an addiction is not illegal. However, just simply by having an addiction, um, a lot of times we treat that person as a criminal automatically. Yeah. They're not someone who has a substance use disorder who needs to be treated with compassion and um, given evidence-based treatments. They're a criminal, so they just we need to punish it out of them. But we've had, I don't know, how long has the war on drugs been going on? 50 years right. or more? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of evidence. A war on different drugs. This yeah, happens yeah. to be so, the one we're battling right so now. So there's a lot of evidence to show that that does not work. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything we need to change, it is that kind of war on drugs philosophy that we can somehow punish a medical condition out of a person. And that itself so, is and that itself is a process. And because we uh, were speaking with right. Sheriff Heldman, the last uh, overdose spike alert right. uh, we were talking about, and he uh, had the uh, summit uh, just about mm-hmm. a month ago uh, on this uh, issue to educate the community on this. And he admitted that's even difficult for him as a career law enforcement uh, officer yeah. to kind of reset that mindset. Oh, to, yeah. And he invited, you know, to his credit, you know, he invited Chief Tom Sinan from down in Hamilton County right to right. speak to the group and Chief Sinan's biggest you know kind of message is well one is how many times should you revive someone uh, up mm-hmm. for an overdose yeah he'll tell you every time as many times as it takes yeah because he will also tell you do we say that about any other medical condition mm-hmm. you know do again take diabetes high blood pressure whatever someone's continuing to engage in unhealthy habits they continue to have heart attacks they continue to have diabetic do we say well they've exhausted their three strikes so Mm -hmm. we're not going to help them anymore because they're not changing their behavior you know it's not so the push uh with the overdose spike alert in addition to awareness is the project dawn uh naloxone kits and and so on yeah and connecting people so the three contacts that we put out whenever there's a spike alert is yeah the project dawn mm-hmm. um our syringe service program for people who are continuing to use and the quick response team and again because we work together you know like i said when we go out with the quick response team with our harm reduction folks we have the goal is we're going to catch that person at whatever stage they're ready for so mm-hmm. if they say i no way i'm not ready for treatment that's not okay well Come to the syringe service program. We'll make a connection with you there, and we'll continue connecting with you all along your, you know, recovery journey. If they are ready for treatment, quick response team folks can get them into that. Um, and then again, even when they're with our harm reduction program, they always have access to treatment while they're there. The minute they're ready, you know, that's because uh, we work with the local op- um, addiction coalition. We work with every single agency in town i mean our harm reduction staff is out at all the treatment agencies 
all the social service agencies. So, um, you know, some people have that misconception that these harm reduction programs encourage people to continue using. Yeah. No, we're doing nothing more than connecting with people, treating them with dignity and respect, and then they, on their own, when Hopefully. they're ready, they'll let us know, and we do connect them. I mean, there's, I can think of one example. We had two young ladies come in in an evening, and they were ready that day mm. for methadone treatment. Jamie, because he had a relationship with the director of the methadone clinic, got them in the next day. They showed up, and they got into treatment. So it happens all the time. Good to know that there are success stories. Oh, absolutely. Even as the battle continues. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I'm, I'm sure this is not the last time we'll uh, discuss this, but we will leave it there for now. Again, uh, Gary Bright, Brittany Nye with Hancock Public Health, talking about the latest overdose spike alert in the community. Thank you both for uh, coming in, sharing yeah. some perspective on this. We Thank appreciate you. Well, entrepreneurship is booming in the United States. In our ongoing recognition of Small Business Week, we are joined this morning by Tom Sullivan, Vice President, Small Business Policy, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, to talk about some of the ways in which small businesses drive the economy and how local companies can apply to be recognized as America's top small business. Tom, first of all, you know, we talk about entrepreneurship booming in the U.S. overall. Let's kind of dig down on that. What does the data tell us about new business applications in Ohio? Chris, thank you for having me. Any chance I get to talk about the importance of small business to our economy, I, I get excited about. So thank you for having me. And you're right. There's great news on main streets in Ohio. We see data that show 47% increase in new business applications filed last year compared to pre-pandemic. That equates to over 140,000 new business applications filed last year. That is, and again, as you to underscore that, compared to pre-pandemic. So, I mean, this is uh, big, uh, these are big numbers. And we were talking a little bit yesterday about your latest survey of small business optimism and the concerns of entrepreneurs about the future. What kind of stands out to you most about what you are hearing from those surveys? I think two things stand out in particular. The first is uh, how long inflation has topped the list of concerns. We see that inflation is the highest concern for small business mm -hmm. for five consecutive quarters in the surveys that we do with our partners, MetLife. The other thing that strikes me as interesting is that small businesses are very confident in their own operations, but actually fairly down on the national economy. Mm -hmm. And so we are working with Congress and the White House to try to turn that around. And we think that, that there's an opportunity to do more to celebrate and encourage small business instead of trying to micromanage small business through excessive regulation. And that that is causing some of the pessimism when it comes to the national economy. Well, you know, and it's interesting you bring that up, that uh, entrepreneurs are optimis uh, optimistic about their own uh, operations while at the same time being a bit more pessimistic on the economy overall. And I think we've talked about this before, the fact that by their very nature, entrepreneurs are optimistic individuals. You are not going to start your own small business if you're not optimistic about its chances of success, and you're not going to get up every day and put your blood 
blood, sweat, and tears into that business if you're not optimistic that it'll pay off. So given that proclivity toward optimism, does that kind of make you really sit up and take notice when these same entrepreneurs say that they are concerned about inflation or how concerned they are about inflation or worried about certain economic conditions or trends? Chris, uh, I, I wake up every day concerned about how small businesses are feeling, and I'm, I'm happy to partner with local and state leaders like Steve Stivers, who runs the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, to really dial into uh, the sense of small businesses on Main Streets where where you are. Um, and yes, th- this is is a concern, and that prompts us to take more action and create new initiatives to help small businesses. One of those things that we're doing, for instance, because we are the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and we're uniquely positioned to convene both small and large businesses, we are looking for opportunities that benefit the entire business ecosystem. One initiative we just launched is called the Prompt Pay Pledge Initiative. And this is simply encouraging some of our nation's largest business to pay their small suppliers and vendors faster. It does two things. One is it frees up cash for those small businesses. The other thing that it does is it actually makes some of those larger businesses more attractive to attract some really good small suppliers and vendors. Because every small business wants their big client to pay those invoices faster. Last but not least, we want to continue this recognition and celebration of small business all year. That's why we're launching the America's Top Small Business Awards. Applications are open now, and they will be open until July 7th, where we take the top 10 applicants in all seven regions of the United States. We then take those top small business finalists to Washington, D.C., where they compete for the $25,000 grand prize. All of this information and the application to be named America's Top Small Business can be found at our main website of uschamber.com. That is awesome stuff. And just to go back and kind of expand on on both of those points, and I think this is uh, really something important, especially during Small Business Week, those not-so-small businesses have a role to play because... Uh, again, if you run a large uh, business, uh, you probably have some sort of relationship with a small business as a supplier or even as a client at the wholesale level, something like that. So large businesses can certainly uh, support their small business counterparts as well. Oh, they, they sure can. I mean, the, the large and small business relationship is complex, and it's also necessary to have free enterprise system work in Ohio and in the United States. That's why we're so bullish on the prompt pay pledge. We know that there are large businesses that want to do the right thing and pay their small suppliers and vendors quicker. It's our responsibility to lift those businesses up to amplify what they're doing and encourage other businesses to follow their lead. And of course, small businesses do better when those invoices are paid quicker and and at at a minimum on time. Yeah, absolutely. And then you mentioned uh, the America's Top Small Business uh, uh, Awards there, uh, the application for which uh, is on your website. What does that application process uh, look like? Kind of give us the, the basics and lay that out for us. Sure, Chris. The application to be named America's Top Small Business 
uh, is open to all small businesses with under 250 employees okay. or less than or less than $20 million gross revenue. And the application itself is actually pretty straightforward. It simply asks small business owners to tell us their story, tell their journey of why they should be considered America's top small business. We do that just with a series of prompts, a prompt like, tell us about what the largest obstacle you've had to overcome mm. to be named America's top small business. And I just can't wait to see these thousands of applications that not only tell individual stories, but really weave the fabric of what free enterprise stands for in the United States. You know, uh, that's one of the things. Uh, every small business has a story, and uh, these stories are incredible. Uh, again, Tom Sullivan is Vice President Small Business Policy for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Where do folks uh, get more information? You mentioned uh, your website. Let's uh, throw that out there again. Thank you, Chris. All this information, including the application for America's Top Small Business Awards, can be found at our main website of uschamber.com. As we celebrate Small Business Week, Tom, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Chris. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So this is prom season, right? And the promposal has become something of a pop culture phenomenon. Well, a couple of uh, kids in Portland, Oregon, I think, have set a an all-time high bar for the greatest promposal of all time. This one is going to be hard to top. Um <laughs> Uh, Camus High School students uh, Sherman Bynum and Sam Tetro, uh, first of all, hired a local celebrity to uh, ride his unicycle playing flaming bagpipes <laughs> to, to set the mood, and then hired an armored vehicle to take them to the spring formal dance. Um, that's right. They arrived and made a grand entrance at prom in a World War II era tank. A tank! <laughs> uh, the stunt, says, took months to plan. The students launched a GoFundMe to help pay for the whole uh, event. Uh, Mr. Bynum uh, invited his date uh, into the tank with a sign that said, I'd be tankful if you went to prom with me. Be tankful. Okay, the bad pun aside, that's pretty epic. Showing up to the prom in a tank. Wow, that's that's going to be hard to top. That's going to be hard to top. Uh, let's see what going on in the uh, broken news. All the while, a guy on a unicycle playing flaming bagpipes. Okay. <clears throat> now, this is a, a story uh, right here at home. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the uh, broken news. Uh, this is a ruling, a really head-scratcher of a ruling from the Ohio Supreme Court. Uh, I guess you can see the logic in it, but it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Here's the story. In September of 2020, Donald Bertram took a $500 leaf blower 
out of his neighbor's open garage and drove off. Uh, Timothy Huff was the uh, victim uh, in this. The Ohio Supreme Court has now ruled that Mr. Bertram did not commit burglary because he took the item without force. It was not a burglary because there was no force involved. The court tossed out the burglary conviction, and now Mr. Bertram faces only a misdemeanor charge of criminal trespassing instead. Um, According to the opinion from the Ohio Supreme Court, Mr. Bertram did not commit burglary under Ohio law because he did not gain access to Mr. Huff's garage by force, stealth, or deception. Mr. Bertram also did not mislead Mr. Huff in order to gain access to the garage. So, if you didn't use force, it's not burglary. If your garage door is open and somebody takes something from your garage, apparently, if your garage door is open, it's a free-for-all, according to, according to the Supreme Court. Moral of the story, keep your garage door closed. Or don't keep anything of value in your uh, garage door because there was no force involved. It wasn't a burglary. That's crazy. That's. I mean, I understand the... Uh, the legal logic in that. But in this case, the legal logic isn't very logical. You know what I mean? It's very weird. I think maybe that'd be something that the uh, legislature may want to address, the definition of burglary in the state of Ohio. Uh, let's see. This is a little weird. In Canada, new, off the coast of Newfoundland, uh, a very uh, interestingly shaped iceberg uh, is has gone viral uh, on on social media. Somebody uh, fortunately uh, captured photos of this before it collapsed. It was an iceberg shaped like a certain part of the male anatomy. Let's put it, let's put it that way. An iceberg shaped like a you know <laughs> the inappropriate looking chunk of ice has a long column and protruding dome. And that's as detailed as I'm going to get in the description. Ken Pretty captured the 30-foot-tall formation on camera and posted the image on his Facebook page. What makes this uh, even more uh, interesting is that uh, this was uh, this particular natural phenomenon was found off the coast of Newfoundland in Conception Bay. Conception Bay. All right. That's living up to your name right there. Moving on. (laughs) Okay. A couple of other items here in the broken news. Uh, This from uh, Virginia. The state of Virginia uh, in uh, Falk. Fauquier, Virginia, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, a traffic jam at a busy intersection Monday morning uh, was caused by an unlikely culprit, an eastern rattlesnake. According to news reports, the snake slid into the traffic signal control box because apparently the snake thought that there was a bird's nest in there after the the eggs, right? That's what snakes do. But uh, somehow... (laughs) When <laughs> the snake got into the traffic signal control box, it switched off the breaker, cutting off the power supply to the traffic lights. 
happened right in the middle of rush hour, slowing down traffic for about 45 minutes. Uh, Responding officers uh, opened the electrical box to investigate why the power was out, and surprise, surprise, there was the uh, rattlesnake squirming around the wires inside the box. Animal control was called in and uh, carefully removed the slithery reptile, uh, which uh, turned out to be, it says an eastern rattlesnake, but apparently it says uh, non-venomous and harmless. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't take any chances. Uh, They uh, rehoused the reptile in a more suitable area nearby. Thankfully, no accidents were were reported, and the traffic lights were back on within the hour. (laughs) But again, try explaining to your boss why you were late, because there was a power outage caused by a rattlesnake in the traffic control box. (laughs) And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is a story that could only happen in Florida. A brawl between two goats got so out of hand that it ended up with the two unruly animals being hauled off to jail. I kid you not. Two goats landed in jail in uh, Palatka, just uh, south of Jacksonville. Uh, According to the report, the local sheriff's office was alerted to a fight in progress When officers arrived at the scene, they apprehended the belligerent goats (laughs) that were behind the melee. Uh, The sheriff's office on Facebook joked about the incident, writing, quote, the suspects were pretty mad at one another. (laughs) And the fight escalated into the yards of nearby residences. Both of the perpetrators were pretty hard-headed, but officers managed to separate, wrangle, and bring them To the county jail. Fortunately, the goat's owner was found later in the day thanks to helpful tips from the community. So the goats have been bailed out. (laughs) Only in Florida do you end up with two goats behind bars for causing a bar fight, a bar brawl. There you go. That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small, as an advertiser. You have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. In a new survey of 2,000 parents of school-aged children, 70% say they believe their kids are experiencing more burnout than they are. I think of burnout as being something that adults have too much, uh, uh, too much of a workload, and so on. All of the pressures of life, but sixty-six uh, percent of the parents said that their child comes home with a low battery mentally after school, and eighty-one percent wish that schools offered easily accessible mental health services. Given that students spend a significant part of their lives in school, it is the best environment to identify stress, burnout, or behavioral challenges and address them 
right away. Some of the uh, key signs of stress and burnout in kids include changes in sleep, changes in appetite, physical complaints like headaches, stomach aches, things to watch for. And at least according to this survey, it is just as prevalent, if not more so, among kids than even among us adults. Something to think about there. So, happening around town tomorrow evening with dozens of visual and performing artists in some 30 participating galleries, shops, and restaurants, downtown Finley's Spring Art Walk, shaping up to be the best one yet. Dan- Danielle Wilkin uh, from Visit Finley is uh, with us uh, this morning, and uh, this is best one probably, uh, I mean, you look at all of the locations, the schedule of visual and performing artists um boy this one is uh, is looking really yeah really good. yeah it does i'm really excited about this one you know art walk is always a, a finley favorite event it's my favorite event in finley but mm. i'm really excited about tomorrow's event so i uh, hit some of the highlights uh of the uh evening yeah. schedule here well you kind of always have to start with kind of our what we call our art anchors so the jones building artist studios i think there's close to eight or nine that have just they're going to open their studio doors. They're going to have their work available. They'll be available to chat with you kind of about what the work that they do. Some of them do demonstrations throughout the night. Mm-hmm. That one is on the second floor. So you do need to know ahead of time. You do have to go up some steps. Yeah. Um, but right down the street is Finley Art League. They're kicking off their May member um, juried show, um, which is so it's all local artists kind of displaying the best of their work, which is always good. By the way, yeah. uh, especially with the uh, Jones Building artists, some of the uh, artworks will be available for sale. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well too, yeah, so. you can you you know Finley is just it's a treasure trove of of talent and it's mm-hmm. kind of amazing the the pieces that come out of your friends and neighbors that you see right here and most of the work that's on display during Art Walk is for sale yeah. so, which is always great to see. So definitely just want to throw that yeah. in there. What else is uh, is happening because yeah. it's, it's not just visual arts, it's performing arts exactly. as well. Yeah, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts is going to be having a musician playing all throughout the night. St. Michael's Show Choir um, will be performing both at Marathon Center and at Hancock Hotel and then Liberty Benton's acapella group is going to be performing at the library too um the libraries has a puppet show they're having a tiny art show you know it's just it's there's a lot going on it's gonna Uh, be fun that's that's one of the things too i think is is really cool uh that uh, they'll be highlighting some of the things that the kids have done and all of this so this is something for all yeah absolutely this isn't just professional artists Mm -hmm. you know the the tiny art league the tiny art gallery show that yeah. the, uh, the library is doing. Um, that is just anybody off the street could kind mm-hmm. of come and pick up a kit and make it and then turn it into the library. And that work's going to be on display. And that's really uh, from the artist's point of view. That's also one of the uh, things about Art Walk is to kind of promote not just an appreciation of the arts, but but people getting involved yeah. in doing that themselves. Absolutely, so. yeah. Uh, Smarty Pants is going to be having a tutorial at their site um, where the kids can kind of just do a drawing tutorial as well. Um, and then there's one location off of West Main Cross um, that's a, a collaboration between two gal- uh, two um, organizations that they're doing an instrument petting zoo as well. So kids can kind of come out and try some of these 
otter, different um, instruments. Um, instrument petting zoo. An that's instrument an petting zoo. Yeah, that's a, something that's a fun. Great idea. <laughs> and it's right idea. next to Dietz's. So well, but, yeah, it's, can't beat that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, a lot of uh, restaurants and uh, like Coffee Amici is mm-hmm. uh, participating, and uh, Finley Brewing, and you know all of those. At the risk of leaving someone out, uh, yeah. who all is uh, participating? Here? Oh, there's a lot. Um, you know, Vivier is going to be participating. It's also Cinco de Mayo, so Vivier right. is going to be a good spot. Definitely, um, you kind of go hand in hand. Exactly, and sense. don't forget Dora. So you can kind of get a margarita at a few different locations and try them out. Um, Hancock Hotel with Mancy's is going to be participating. They have some Cinco de Mayo. You mentioned Finley Brewing. They also mm-hmm. um, will um, f- uh, False Cord Brewing um, is a really cool newer brewery in downtown Finley. They're doing a churro inspired beer that okay. night. So that's something a little bit different in addition to hosting an artist. And gathering wine. Gathering wine. Yes. Yeah, so Baker's goes, Baker's Cafe goes too. on and on. Yeah, yeah. So you know whether you're interested in vibing or not, there's yes, uh, plenty absolutely uh, to to do there. And many of those uh, locations are also hosting artists. Some of them visual artists and many performing artists. Yes. As yeah. Well. It's kind of it's it's really neat how it's kind of an integration of all things arts, whether that is performing arts, whether it's visual arts, whether it is clay, whether it's jewelry. You know it's. It's really kind of a neat collaboration across the board. Oh, and the uh, Jones Mansion. Also. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah you can't miss the Jones Mansion. That is really neat. That's a really good spot to kind of start or end at because it's a little bit off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. But with the weather looking so nice, it's going to be a great night to walk down. And uh, they will have the uh, Finley High School String Quartet. Yes, they uh, will. Playing, yes. So. And then that's also just a beautiful place to go and check out. Yeah, too. kind of set the mood. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can definitely spend a few hours oh, uh, down town tomorrow evening uh fill your evening uh, yeah the event starts at five o'clock it runs till at least nine o'clock many of those locations are going to be open later but that's mm-hmm. kind of the the unofficial end time yeah uh and you know we've thrown a lot out and this is just part of it yeah, we don't have just scratching the surface yeah, <laughs> don't have the the whole thing uh but all of this information uh is on the website right? it is yep it's at visit finley.com slash art walk and we also have a facebook page so if you just search finley art walk all that information's there as well so you can uh, find out uh, who's going to be where and what uh, places are participating downtown it's a great way of highlighting uh, not only the arts but obviously uh, everything that we have going on in yes, downtown Finley. absolutely um, and I want to mention this, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but as uh, folks know, traditionally there's been the spring art walk and a fall art walk, adding one in the summer. Yes. Yeah. Year. We're, we're adding one on August uh, 4th. This, um, so it's the first Friday in August. Um, so for the first time ever, hopefully we'll have more reliable weather. You never know what it's like in the spring, <laughs> <laughs> spring and fall, um, hopefully summer is not worry about it. <laughs> uh, so that is something to circle on the calendar and look forward to. Yeah, and that's going to be a great weekend in Finley just in general. That's also the same weekend as Cartoons on Main. It's the same weekend as the Antique Machinery Show at the fairground. So it's already going to be fun. We're just adding something extra in there on Friday night. I'm going to have a lot to talk about when yeah. we get into uh, <laughs> late July, early August. Things going on in the community. So good to see all of these things happening. Yeah, it really feels like this is the first year where things are just back in full force. You know, they've been trickling back um, after the pandemic, but this is the first year where things really feel normal. You don't have to 
have that stressor in the back of your mind. So we're excited to kind of see Finley come back in full force and see all of our neighbors out and about as well. Amen to that. Yes. Uh, again, Danielle Wilton is with us from uh, Visit Finley. Uh, the uh, spring art walk happening on Friday evening. And like we said, there's more information on the website as to all of the, uh, like we said, more than 30 or some 30 participating gallery shops and restaurants, dozens, literally dozens of visual and performing artists and uh, all of that stuff is on the website, right? Yes. Yep. Visit Finley.com slash artwalk. All right. We've got a link up on our webpage as well. So you can go to goodmornings.net and find that. Danielle, thanks very much for dropping by. We thanks for having it. me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And once again, a reminder, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.